Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom! What is going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. Robin, I'm creeping it real. Hey, what is up, everybody? I know there's a bunch of people already in the chat. Thank you all for being here. Um, Phil was here a second ago and then uh, is failing at technology. So he'll be back in a second. Then we'll bring him on. Oh, he is back and it is again failing. <coughs> uh, technical difficulties. But anyway, um, we'll get it figured out and we'll get Phil in here. <coughs> um, so, yes, everybody that is here, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get Phil on in just a second. We definitely appreciate everybody uh, jumping on. Uh, just uh, do us a favor and share this video. It's always uh, a treat to be able to get Phil on uh, and and be able to monopolize his time for a little while. Uh, so please just uh, just share that and uh, let's get as many people in here as possible. And as always, um, <laughs> sorry, Phil's texting me about his technology problems. Uh, <laughs> um. As always, whenever we have Phil on, uh, any super chats that come in uh, on this episode will be donated to uh, US Arc. Um, so please feel free to send those super chats or take whatever you will be send a super chat and uh, donate it directly to US Arc. Yeah, either way. Um, I'm going to text Phil back. <laughs> oh, no. Um, restart everything <laughs> how are you rob i'm doing pretty good honestly uh, i got a couple weeks until baby start hatching out i got one more female who had a pre-lay shed so i don't i'm in it right now this is the this is the tough part waiting until everything hatches out and then i'm super super pumped because this sunday april 24th we got the first carolina herb society meeting Yes. Uh, we're going to be going to, it's like a state park, right? Yeah, it'll be uh, at Lake Norman State Park in uh, in Troutman, North Carolina. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place. I, I go there fairly often. Uh, it, it's quite nice. There's a, a really great, uh, when you get there, there's a big building, the indoor building, which basically has like all the trail maps and everything. But you walk around the side of the building and there's a place for you to go down. And then there's this big like gazebo like kind of thing. Uh, which cool. is, uh, we'll hopefully, hopefully there won't be anybody there. <laughs> if they are, we'll, just, we'll bully our way in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like there's a lot of weird people that are going to show up. <laughs> you might want to leave now. And then I'm going to just walk in with snakes and be like, just go dive for a snapping turtle and just like come up and be like, it's going to eat you. And I would probably just be like, hey, everyone, come learn about this, and you should join the Carolina Herb Society and USR. There you go. There you go. Natalie kicking it off with the Super Chat. Whoop. That's right. Super excited to have you here, Natalie. Um, everybody else is here. Again, please uh, feel free to share this video. Uh, we're just waiting for Phil to uh, deal with a technical problem, and uh, and he'll be back joining us so we're gonna oh gosh rob did you lose power over there? 
I did not lose power. What did happen was I have my lights on a timer and I forgot to change the timer. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, for everybody that's only listening on the audio, <laughs> Rob's screen is totally dark. Um, that was that was perfect. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> everybody's having technical difficulties today. This is wonderful. <laughs> okay. I can fix this real quick. There you go. It's it, at least Rob's technical difficulty was uh, planned. So it wasn't a technical difficulty. Fam, <laughs> uh, we got Jerry. Jerry's in the house. Chat here. Appreciate it, man. Uh, definitely appreciate your support uh, through all of the platforms, my friend. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm paying attention to the little square that is supposed to be Phil. That this says not connected <laughs> oh man it's not like we haven't done this before or anything um that's what happens when you live in the midwest so i for everybody that that might not be aware uh i got back from michigan on sunday i was visiting uh mr brian barchek and i'm with him but uh i made that drive which honestly is not terrible it's about nine, nine and a half hours. So it's, it's a drive for sure, but it's not terrible compared to like when we did Tinley Rob and it was like 16 and a half hours from New Hampshire. Yeah, that was definitely super rough. So this one was not that bad. Uh, but um, I have to drive the entire height of Ohio. And talking about it, I'm already yawning. <laughs> it's uh, if you've ever driven through the state of Ohio, it's it's like there's 10 minutes of like, oh, this is civilization. This is, you know, normal to uh, very quickly. Nothing but cornfields and cattle and uh, tractor supplies that are the size of Walmarts, uh, yeah. which, which was both impressive and very frightening at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I was just looking at how far it is if I wanted to drive to Tinley from where I'm at right now. And it's 13 hours. It's still Oof. over 10, which is cool. But, 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 I just yes. put in my time off for Daytona and for Tinley, so those will both be happening. Hey. Um, October Tinley and then the Daytona. That's how I spoke. And I'm trying, I, for Daytona, I put in for a full week off so that I can go to Gatorland and do some extra stuff, do some burping, and really get you know more out of it. Because last year, when we I flew in the the day on Friday setup day, got there while people were setting up, and then had to leave like like almost right after the expo. Yeah, Oof. yeah, no, we don't want to do that. We I gotta I gotta figure all that out with you because I want to also hit Gatorland and do some stuff with Savannah and and stuff like that, so we gotta figure that out. Phil is here. He learned how to technology. Woohoo! <laughs> Let's get Phil in here, and uh, and we'll get our we'll get our update on how to use a computer. <laughs> What's Rude. Up? Now I know why I always come back. Oh boy! <laughs> Apparent, apparently, Streamyard hates MacBook. So I was I, I made the switch and and got a MacBook, and that was my first time using it on there. And it said, "No, you cannot use this browser. You have to download one of these three. So after downloading all three of those, I still didn't get it to work. So now my old laptop is out, and we're gonna try again. Oh no! I, I can't. Apple, but uh, shut up. 
<laughs> I can confirm as a fellow MacBook user, <laughs> it does not like Safari. So yeah, that's a bummer. I get mine to work on uh, Firefox. Um, I don't know if you downloaded Firefox. I get it. I downloaded Chrome and Firefox and Opera. And for some reason, Opera let me see you, but my mic and camera wouldn't come on. So anyway, we got it figured out. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, So you you've been uh, traveling quite a bit from what I from what I gather. Are you you just saving you're saving us everywhere? (laughs) I don't know about that trying, but yeah, travel is travel is back. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, okay. So I mean, let's, let's just dive right into this. Uh, Cause I know there's a bunch of people that have a bunch of questions and stuff. Uh, and again, everybody that's here in the chat uh, all, you know, feel free to drop questions. I'll try to pay attention to them. And of course, all the super chats that uh, we get tonight are going to go right to us arc. Um, so feel free to send those or just send whatever you would send in a super chat and just donate it right to us arc. You can do that as well. Um, so, Let's uh, the big the big big one. Uh, obviously, we've got uh, the the Lacey Act amendments um, on the federal level. Uh, so, what's what's the most up to date info on on that for anybody that's not you know signed up for the newsletter and and paying attention? <laughs> yeah. So the last big update was they finally named the what are called conferees. So U.S. Arc have been talking about that since February, early February. So there's what's called a special conference committee that was formed with both senators and house representatives. There's pushing a hundred um, uh, ref or conferees on there. So those were named, but then right after they named all those conferees, uh, Congress took a recess. So Congress has been in recess for the last two weeks. So nothing has happened at all because uh, all the federal legislators are back in their home States doing quote state work. Um, so they come, yeah. <laughs> so they're supposed to come back tomorrow, which obviously doesn't make any sense because that kicks off a weekend. So probably yeah. around the 25th, we may see some action starting on this, but it may be another week or two before this conference committee even has its first discussion. So honestly, sure. we, may, we may be looking at four to eight weeks before we even see a, what they call a reconciled bill, which is uh, when they combine the House and the Senate bills. So U.S. Arc hasn't been putting out updates because there really hasn't been any. So those conferees were named on the 8th, I believe, April 8th. And then they started that recess on April 11th. So basically they named them and then everybody left D.C. Or the ones that were there anyway. So, um, so yeah, when there's updates, we'll post them. But, yeah, not not a lot of updates. So, I mean, the what people should be doing, definitely go to usarc.org. Look at that list of conferees especially if you're senators, if you have a senator representative who's on this conference committee, you certainly want to reach out again, even if you have already. If possible, try, you don't have to travel to DC to, to let your voice be heard. If possible, uh, try and set up a meeting at uh, what we call the district offices. So those are the offices in your home state. You can go and talk to a staffer and, and don't be afraid to do this at all. Uh, just look over US Arcs alert. We'll tell you what to say there. And then just tell them your personal story, too, and how you'll be affected by this and and go in and talk to the staff of these legislators. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Bam. And I I, while we're talking about uh, this, if you haven't already seen to everybody that's listening and and watching, U.S. Arc now has their official YouTube channel. And uh, I think one of the most the the most recent video uh, that went up, you were saying exactly that, you know, these people work for us. You know, it's their job to listen to us, you know, so while it might seem intimidating to 
talk to somebody, you know, all dressed up in a suit, you know, like he's in that suit because we're paying for it. So, <laughs> yeah. And I should have put a disclaimer there. Remember that they work for you, but never tell them that. <laughs> That's not a good way to kick off the conversation. Don't walk into a legislator's office and say, listen here, you work for me. So I'm going to tell you how it is. Not a good way to go about that. So that's just to help people be comfortable with going in and talking to him. Again, remember they're there to listen to you, but yeah, you certainly, those words, you don't want those coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. It is always important that we keep yeah. it civil <laughs> and polite and professional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Here, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we go on to the next thing, Jen Davis, is in the house drawing super chat. Keep kicking ass. That's right. Phil Phil kicks all the ass for us. So. <laughs> we're, we're trying. That would be nice after all of the ass has been kicked. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think this uh, this next big thing has you know we've been really pushing this to the forefront a lot, and that's what's going on in Florida uh, with with FWC and this potential proposed safe list or or white list. Uh, that that FWC is proposing it goes far past reptiles. Um, not everything that's non-native um, is what it sounds like. So uh, I know they just had a tag meeting is it last last week, um, yep. and, and then the next meeting is uh, May third and fourth uh, in Gainesville. No, no, no. That's a a commission meeting that's coming oh, up. In May. Yeah. So yeah. the tag is the technical assistance group um, that have couple dozen uh, stakeholders are invited to uh so yeah a little little bit different we have those quarterly and then yeah the commission meeting will be big because people can go and talk directly to the fwc commissioners about what's going on perfect thank you for clarifying that That that's my my bad um so what's uh where where did all of this come from because it it sounds like a a lot of people are kind of like this came out of nowhere like what the heck is going on so is there a little bit more of an extended timeline that we don't know about or really just kind of pop up out of the blue yeah it, it came out of the blue and we have no details so people should not be freaking out yet it's not going to do any good we have no idea when fwc is going to announce this we don't know if they're working on it all there was was at the beginning of that tag meeting fwc staff let out one line that there was a directive from the commissioners to discuss a safe list So that's all the details we have right now. So there's no proposed safe list, which that's the term they're using. Usually we call it a white list, um, which are species that are allowed to be kept. Um, So again, FWC is apparently going to coin it a safe list, but it could be a year from now. It could be three years from now. It could be three months. We have no idea on what's going on, when they're going to, you know, get heavier into the discussion on it. It was just thrown out there. And then that was the end of it for that tag meeting. Okay. For a lot of people, because you know there there is so much of the reptile hobby that goes through Florida, and there are a, you know a decent amount of people who live in Florida that can be affected by this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Florida is an important state, so we we got to watch what Florida is doing, and then a lot of those southeastern states, especially, watch what Florida FWC does. Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission. So it's it's important. We got to stop it in Florida because if it passes in Florida, that just starts the wave. That's like so many other types of legislation. If it passes in one state, uh, then the other states just want to pick off on it. We see that with the Traveling Animal Acts. We see it with 
dog and cat sales bans. Um, we see it with all kinds of things. Once once a group or an agency gets that foothold in one state, other states are watching what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. The states the states do talk to each other and and watch each other. That's that's for sure. I mean, you know, most most recently, obviously the the Tegu <clears throat> the Tegu bands that have been working their way from Florida now through the Carolinas and potentially inevitably uh, Georgia will begin to follow suit. Uh, you know, I think, I think Phil, I sent you a, a message of a, a video from the news. You're like the invasive tegus are causing havoc. And it's like, what, what is happening? What? <laughs> yeah. Georgia has been talking about tegus for a few years already. So yeah, it's, I mean, people in, in Georgia, I, I encourage you to get, organize get a group i know there was the georgia reptile society that was really active for a while but just get organized and, and again you can't hesitate i mean reach out to the state wildlife agency and hey what say what can we do let's let's be proactive about this i mean we tried to do that in florida i mean going all the way back to 2007 we were asking for a common sense regulation on tegus uh, i personally asked fwc multiple times and it just kept oh we'll get to it next year we'll get to it next year and then it got so bad and and, you know, they got new people in charge at FWC and they came at us with this ban rather than sitting down and talk to us. And we've been trying to work with work on Tegus for 15 years. Uh, so it certainly <laughs> was an industry who was opposed to doing it. It was just the agency didn't didn't work with us on Tegus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's also something I, I think we bring this up every every time we uh, we have you on, Phil. And that's, uh, you know, realizing that U.S. Arc is not uh necessarily working to be like you should keep everything you should always have everything whatever you want you know there there are certain consents to just and, and, and proposals that can be put in place where you know those those people that would be reckless with those animals would be deterred quite quickly by like oh you know i gotta do all paperwork or i've got to you know maybe get hours or, or whatever you know those those kind of things that in, encourage responsible keeping that's you know that's really at the forefront yeah i mean listen some some people may get upset with me saying what i'm going to say but you know a lot of times the industry says oh we should just self-police ourselves and we should do this and we can we should do that and i mean there are some species obviously the tegu being one of them at the forefront right now we've got to handle that species differently than we do other species than we handle leopard geckos or bearded dragons we got to we got to handle things with tegus differently so if we're just selling them all willy-nilly and realizing that, you know, this is a, a, a four-foot lizard that most uh, most people should not own a tegu. I mean, let's let's face it. If, if you're not willing to say that, you're you're one of the people who, who's selling them just however you can and, and flipping them and making five or ten bucks. And that's not kosher. That, that doesn't work. When we get too many of a species out there and people are keeping them in properly and then they start getting released, that causes problems for the whole industry. So... You know, that's why you got to start thinking people selling certain species need to think about uh, acquisition forms. Uh, we have samples of those on our website where it just makes people take a pause before they take a species home. So, I mean, I'll even throw sulcatas out there. I mean, that's the third largest tortoise species in the world. Most people buying a pet tortoise should not be buying a sulcata. So, again, <laughs> make, them, make them sign something that says they acknowledge that this is the third largest tortoise in the world. It's going to live for 50 plus years if it's kept properly. Um, it's going to require a large space. You can't keep these things in a, in a bedroom. I mean, that's just not <laughs> when they get full grown. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. So, 
Yeah. There are certain species that industry and people selling some of those species just need to start looking at and handling those differently than others. Yeah. No, especially in the Southeast, obviously where more species can live than, you know, up in the Northeast or Midwest or wherever. Right. Right. No, it's absolutely right, man. I mean, there has to be, we have to go into the next level of thinking, especially as we're seeing all these things pop up, you know, I mean, if we, if we don't, you know, then, then we're not, we're not helping ourselves. And we're certainly not helping the future of the industry, you know, continue. Um, and uh, yeah, Tim over at uh, Intrepid Exotics, <laughs> Salcutas are wall destroying yes. beasts. <laughs> they will, <laughs> they they will <laughs> mess up your drywall. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just so nobody spins what I just said there, I am totally not saying that there are not a whole lot of people who can keep reticulated pythons or tegus or sulcatas. There certainly are. Uh, we understand their husbandry well. Responsible keepers can certainly have those animals. But uh, again, when there's too many of them out there and people are buying, you know, baby retics or baby berms or baby sulcatas or baby tegus, even baby iguanas, and not realizing what they're getting into, uh, again, I mean, we, we got to start explaining that you know, the species that they get bigger and require, you know, a little bit more care. We need to make sure we're telling people that. So they at least impulse buying is not kosher. Yeah. And one of the things that I was thinking for a lot of these uh, species, uh, something that could also be applicable for people who keep venomous too, is microchipping uh, could, you know, maybe not solve some of these problems, but it can definitely help, um, you know, be able to track where this animal went, uh, you know, where it came from and sort of stuff, the, the person who's keeping it. And uh, that's something that, you know, if I ever produced a bigger species, that's something that I would want to do to make sure that the animal's able to be documented and followed, you know. Uh, you know, probably not as applicable for a leopard gecko or a bearded dragon, you know, but something that gets significantly large or something that could pose as a potential risk, I think that, that could be a, a good alternative, especially in the eyes of the state, because people are already doing that with cats and dogs, you know, to be able to follow, hey, this dog was with this person, uh, you know, in the same rooms or whatever. Um, but being able to follow on those sort of things, I think that could be really, you know, appealing to at least the governing bodies or whatever they're thinking about. Yeah, that is something we've seen. I mean, Florida required that for their conditional species, which then, you know, two years ago, they went ahead and listed those as prohibited instead of conditional. But, you know, that was a requirement. And that way, if an enforcement officer came to do an inspection and scanned your animals and there was a microchip number missing, obviously that tells that inspector that you had an animal get loose or it escaped um, or you, you let it go, which hopefully nobody's doing that down there. But again, it, 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 it makes you liable to be responsible for all those microchips and you had to keep a record of all that stuff. And it was crazy what people in Florida had to go through to have those conditional species permits. And then, like I said, the new direction with FWC down there, they decided that they were going to list them as prohibited anyway, which was really unfortunate. It's, it's a shame. It really is. Like, uh, I, I had some people asking me before I, uh, I moved here, they were like, why don't you move down to Florida? There's lots of opportunities to work with reptiles and do all sorts of stuff. And I was like, <laughs> Nope, uh-uh, that is not, there's too much risk going on with that right now, and especially since I keep scrub pythons, you cannot even own scrub pythons now in, in Florida at all, they're prohibited, so it's like, there goes that one. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, that, that's, that's one of those, I mean, it just makes no sense, I understand they can get big, but I mean, those are expensive animals, hardly anybody has them, and 
you know, for them to end up on a prohibited species list, that just, that just shows that, you know, FWC would just was absolutely not willing to work with industry and listen to our input on that stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate the direction they've taken because 10 years ago, FWC worked with the reptile industry in Florida and came up with common sense regulations like the conditional species list, which was it was super hard and had a lot of requirements to keep those animals. But if you were willing to do it, you were at least able to. And yeah. now that's not even an option in Florida. And that's why U.S. Arc Florida, which, again, that's a separate entity. So everybody knows that a separate 501c6 organization, but they're on lawsuit number two down there. They've spent, I'm pretty sure they're pushing about $700,000 right now uh, in attorney fees alone down there in Florida. So, I mean, they're working their butts off down there to, to stop this from happening again in Florida. Yeah. And then we had the, uh, the big snake ban, the federal government banned a species of anaconda that's never been in the United States. What what is this about? Like, for real, what is this about? Because it seems like they're just making things up. Yeah, it may not even exist. They're, they're banning Bigfoot. They're, uh, you, <laughs> the federal government's out there banning Bigfoot. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry for all the Bigfoot believers. I think Bigfoot's out there, so I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Dude, we gotta we gotta protect the people from cryptozoology. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh! Oh man. Uh, okay, so we've got we've got some updates. We've got some ideas. So I know in the uh, this most recent newsletter that went out, which of course uh, I will say, if you're not already signed up for the newsletter, uh, you you should be. Just go go to usarc.org, sign up for that newsletter. It's free. It is free. Uh, and it will keep you up to date. Uh, there's an alert in uh, in Michigan, um, in in Royal Oak, Michigan, um, a city ordinance thing. Uh, can you can you just explain a little bit on that one? Yeah, it's still kind of early on it. There was a serval that escaped. It was over six months ago. So serval's a small African cat, um, and someone had two of them in his or her backyard or their backyard, and one got loose. So that is what started all this. So, you know, unfortunately it's one of those things where one person can ruin it for everybody. So, so now that town is looking at, at passing an ordinance and, you know, it's still kind of in the early stages and, you know, we're not sure where it's going to go yet, but yeah, if someone's in that town, the hearing's coming up on Monday. Um, so we have all the contact information. We have the address for the hearing. If you can make it over there and, and get to that hearing, even if you're uncomfortable speaking, at least be in the room and maybe let it be known that you would be affected by this. So on it, sometimes it's just bodies in a room so that the council members can see this is going to affect a lot of people and they're not just going to blow it off and say, Oh, let's ban all this stuff. So the more people that show up, the better, again, even if you don't speak, what you want to do is the people in opposition will kind of want to congregate to one side of the room or one area so that the council can kind of see, Oh, all these people are kind of their exotic animal owners or non-domesticated animal owners. Um, so they're going to be affected by this and then someone's going to speak. So just be kind of in the same area and, and congregate there. And um, again, you got, you got to get there and make your voice heard. Otherwise we'll get, you know, an extreme ban. If no one shows up, the animal rights people win. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. You have voices in the room. People don't realize, I don't know if people don't realize, but for real, it feels like people don't realize how important it is for, us to have a voice in the room even you know even just you know a couple people showing up can make a real big difference absolutely yeah yeah for sure uh, i just want to highlight oop, where'd it go right here uh andy 
just saying hey from a supporter in Scotland. We definitely appreciate that for sure. What's uh, up, Scotland? Like you don't, nice you to don't have you here. in the U.S. to support U.S. Arc. You can be from the U.K. <laughs> just change your consonant and hey, make we, it happen. <laughs> we got those letters in the name U.K. It's in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even even though Scotland's not the UK, it's okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh Tim over at Intrepid Exotics, thanks for all your hard work, Phil. Uh still working to get as many young people as on, on board as we can here. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, and Phil, listen, Phil does more work than I think the rest of the, the country does I think that's a fact <laughs> i don't know about that but since that popped up i mean that's awesome so intrepid exotics is posting and you know that's just you don't have to go out and obviously we appreciate it asking for memberships but just share our alerts and get people out there and just do a post you know have you contacted your legislators yet i mean we make it so easy for people to contact their federal legislators on this lacy act stuff just just ask and you know, have people post what they send or whatever, get a conversation going. Cause that encourages more people to do it. Cause again, a lot of this, is just people being afraid. They don't know what to say. Uh, even though us Arc puts out there what to say when they see someone they know who has already done it, that will encourage more people to get involved. And, you know, it takes a lot of voices at the federal level. I mean, again, if we get two or three or 4,000 people talking, that's, that's not going to cut it. We need tens to hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, so that then they'll want to listen to us arc when we're in the room with them. Yeah. A hundred percent. I also think that's why it's, it's so vital in, in instances like this, where we're talking about, you know, like Lacey act amendments, where we're talking about stuff that passes, surpasses the reptile industry, really making sure that we're reaching out to our, our friends that keep other animals, fish keepers, bird keepers, you know, mammal keepers, all, all of these people. Cause <clears throat> you know, again, the more voices in the room, as we stated, the, the better, you know, and as much as I love the reptile industry, it can be fairly unorganized <laughs> when it comes to rallying the troops. Uh, yeah, you know, that's just, that's just people in general. Let's, let's throw that out there. You know, true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so get just reaching out to as many people as possible, uh, making them aware, you know, cause at, at some point it's going to affect somebody else. You know, if it's not going to uh, to affect them right now, you know, who knows? The next serval, you know, leads to the next uh, Burmese Python ban or something. <laughs> you know, you you never know. You just never. Well, the thing, yeah, the thing is, a lot of times when these things pop up and it happens with you know one type of exotic animal, the the lawmakers just go, "Oh, it's exotic," and they just put the blanket term "exotic" on there when exotic under like the law can be interpreted as anything that's not domesticated so basically all your reptiles almost all your fish you know birds lots of these things that people very commonly keep as pets are not domesticated and they're not like our native wildlife so when they do a ban because of something that is they just go oh it's an exotic snake or exotic you know whatever uh the regulations are not carefully worded they're not thought out so they blanket ban or they try to blanket ban this huge group of things and it's like it might not be what they intended but it is uh you know a consequence that we would all have to deal with if it does pass 
Yeah, I hope people just listen to what Rob just said. So this Royal Oak, Michigan is a perfect example. It was a serval. It was a mammal. It was a cat. And what that led to was an investigation into all exotic and all non-domesticated animals. So even though it wasn't even a reptile that got loose, that brought reptiles in the conversation. If you go and read the article on that um, on that Michigan alert, again, it talks about, it mentioned reptiles specifically, and this was a, a cat that got loose. So it doesn't matter what type of exotic or non-domesticated animal it is. It, it brings everything into the fold. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break and, uh, and run our ad break. Uh, we'll be back in two minutes and then uh, maybe we'll do some U S arc myth busting. Cause we always love to do those. <laughs> Black box cages located in Buford, Georgia is your one-stop shop for all of your caging and rack needs. Owners Jen and Clint are at the helm of this fantastic company. With one of the shortest lead times in cage and rack manufacturing, Black Box can satisfy anyone's needs. From baby racks to V70s, arboreal and terrestrial caging to deep-fronted bioactive enclosures. You can find everything you need right here. New enclosure sizes and products are added frequently to their availability, so be sure to check back often. Black box cages have tons of customizing options for lighting and heating. Along with that, cages and racks can be stacked with metal stacking dowels, and all cage joints are datoed for improved durability and stability. Most cage units are flat-packed, but are pre-assembled prior to shipping to ensure a solid build every time. The Micro, XC18, XT3, BioG, and 3-Stack V70 ship assembled, and all other racks are shipped freight and assembled. The XR16 and XR20 model racks allow keepers to mix and match tubs. Fitting both Vision and Freedom Breeder tubs, you can mix the V15, V18, and V35S tubs, or the FB5, FB8, and FB35CVSC tubs. This kind of flexibility allows keepers to raise their animals from hatchling to juvenile or sub-adult size before needing to upgrade into adult caging. Don't just take our word for it. Go to their website to see countless customer reviews and review videos from keepers all over. To learn more about Black Box Cages, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Black Box Cages, and of course their website www.blackboxcages.com. Links to their socials and website will be available in the podcast description. Boom, and we're back. Matt, shout out as always, Black Box Cages, who I know are also pushing for U.S. Arc. Uh, they make sure they put U.S. Arc info in every single one of their shipments that goes all over the country. So, massive shout out to them for continuing to spread the word. <laughs> uh, I really need to like do some sort of graphic that we can throw at the beginning of the screen before we do these uh, these uh, U.S. Arc myth busting. <laughs> I think that would be really good. That's just me being being cheesy. Uh, we we always cheesy. cheesy is awesome. Anybody who says cheesy is bad is wrong. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so we do this every single time we have you on, Phil, and I I always do it because nobody ever really has the balls to to contact you and ask you these questions. Uh, so a couple of them, if you guys have heard our podcast with Phil before, a couple of these you might have already heard, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll throw a new one in there and uh, and throw it all off. But the biggest one is, Phil, where's the money go? 
We, you oh, got wait, wait, wait. I got, I got to go. I got to, I got to plead the fifth. I can't answer that. I'm, gonna have to go. I'm, I'm having technical difficulties. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Everything just mutes. Phil's gone. Where does the money go? So U.S. Arc actually goes above and beyond. So I know someone sent me this earlier about U.S. Arc financials. Um, as, as a nonprofit, you do not have to post your financials online. You have to make them available if somebody requests them. So U.S. Arc has them posted on our website. We go far and above what most nonprofits do. So our financials are all posted right there on our website under a, a drop down on a menu that says financials. So all you got to do is click on it and we've got it all posted right there. But as far as where it goes, I mean, obviously a lot of it goes to attorney fees. Again, that's that's on there on the financials. We have a federal lobbyist that's 150 grand a year right off the top of whatever we make, which she's worth it. Um, and as far as federal lobbyists go, for those who don't know about federal lobbyists, that's for what she does for us and the connection she has, that's cheap, cheap, cheap uh, to get her for that. And she's not a full-time lobbyist. These federal lobbyists will have multiple clients, but she's known for her work in animal interest industries. Uh, so she she's familiar. She's constantly talking to federal legislators about animal issues. Uh, so U.S. Arc is lucky to have her. Um, I get a salary because this is a more than full time job. So anything you see coming from U.S. Arc is is coming from my fingertips or or coming from me. So um, I do get paid to do this job and I'm under no commitment by U.S. Arc. So anybody can apply for this job. Um, you can contact the board of directors, say, hey, I can do a better job than Phil have an interview with the board of directors and maybe you'll get hired. If you're thinking to yourself, how can I contact the board of directors and who are they? You already failed and you can't be the president for us art because it's posted on our website too. So if you want to find out who it is, it's right there in a link so you can track them down and find them. So if your research skills lack that badly, you're probably not going to be able to do this job. <laughs> but I mean, that that's where the money goes. We do, if we have a good year, we can have extra money. Um, a non That's a big mis misconception. A nonprofit does not have to spend all of its money every year. It just has to go towards its mission. So, you know, if we have a surplus in a year, we can't have that money there because if we file something like a lawsuit, we're going to need money to get that up and going. So, you know, if we can have a war chest, that's awesome. Uh, we're transparent about that. Again, our financials are right there. So, I mean, if you got additional questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. But uh, that's that's where the bulk of the money goes. Bam. Okay, there you go. So hopefully you can all shut your mouth until the next time we have Phil on. And, and wait, before we keep going, let's let's just say I I know I can you know speak pretty bluntly, and Jeremy likes to poke fun, and Rob does too because they know where the money goes, and that's fine. Anybody asking questions is perfectly fine. You know, we're a public nonprofit. It's absolutely fine to criticize us and ask us where the money goes. So. If we seem a little flippant at times, it's 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 not intentional. It's just because, again, we're familiar with it and know where it goes, but it's absolutely fine and appreciated for anybody who wants to question what we do. Yeah, it's accessible. The thing is, a lot of these people are like, but where does it go? And it's like, well, if you took uh, half of a second to look <laughs> and see that it's there, well, they're not uh, spoon feeding it directly to me. Well, I don't think that that's their job. I, I, I mean, they, they're giving you all the alerts. You're already, if you are doing your part, you're already on their website. You can look. I promise you can. Yeah. But no, people always have something to say. Of course. Of course. 
Uh, okay. All right. Here's what, number two. Things, can I hop in one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. Because one of the ones that I've seen, I, I've been going live on TikTok recently because TikTok seems to actually spread the live streams around quite a bit. I feel like Instagram kind of stifles it. But on TikTok, I've, I've been averaging anywhere from 200 to 1,000 people in my live stream at a time. And, uh, you know, one of the things I try to talk about USR on every live stream. Um, and one of the things that I've had people say who are in there is, well, uh, what about the things that we lost? And it's like, have you looked at the amount of things that USR has won over the last several years? Or are you just focusing or, or do you personally just have a Tegu and you're upset right now? <laughs> like, like don't, don't get me wrong. Like, if I kept Tegus, I would be very upset right now. But the amount of victories that USR has compared to the things that we've had to compromise on or, you know, lost, I'm using heavy air quotes right here, um, the things that we've lost, U.S. Arc is batting really good. I'm just saying the amount of success that we've had, and even if you uh, you are counting, you know, uh, amendments and little changes, U.S. Arc has done so much good for people to be like, well, the, this one thing here, I see that, uh, uh, you know, it's it's like, what are you really complaining about here? Because I'm pretty sure you still shop at Walmart, even though they support all of these companies that are ruining the rainforest and destroying all of these natural habitats. I'm sure that you still go there. But U.S. Art was actually doing amazing things for our hobby and for these creatures, you know, our ability to enjoy these creatures in our lives you're going to sit here and criticize them really that, that's what you're going to draw the line on right now yeah what is we, we try and we're not perfect and unfortunately it is it is our losses have piled up they've all been in the last three years i mean yeah. over the last nine years we've honestly we've won 90 percent plus of the stuff that we've got engaged when i mean engaged in i mean what baseball player do you know that's 900? I mean, that just, that, that doesn't happen. So, I mean, I mean, sometimes we, we strike out, but I mean, we, we get in there, we make people aware of stuff. Uh, we, we do our darndest to, to get everybody engaged and, and working. And at some point, you know, once, unfortunately in some States, it takes a loss or two. We're seeing it in Florida now. It took a loss or two before people said, Oh, we better start doing something. I mean, us arc Florida was doing the work. I was down there working with them. Um, I mean, there were there were hearings during that Tegu and Iguana legislation. One of them, Eugene Bissett from Ophiological Services, he was the only reptile keeper in all of Florida who showed up. There was another another hearing. I was the only person that showed up. Um, so, I mean, I understand people are upset, but with, with the limited resources that both those groups have, it's we can't go at it like some of these animal rights groups are getting tens of millions of dollars a year. We just can't, we can't have full-time lobbyists in every state. And unfortunately it takes a lot of grassroots efforts to win some of these. And, and you guys have both seen it when there's a hearing room full of opposition, we win. <laughs> but when you go to, when you go to a hearing room and I'm the only guy standing there, Eugene's the only guy standing there, they blow you off. So, I mean, it takes more than one person showing up at some of this stuff. That's just, that's how it is. Yeah, and I try to explain that whenever I'm, I'm doing these lives and talking to people, you know. Uh, but some people, you know, they got their blinders on. They 
they really are just set in their ways. And it's really unfortunate because we would like to extend out a hand and say, hey, look, we can work together. We can show up. We can change this. Um, even if you don't like USR, show up to the meetings. Are you showing up to the meetings? Are you actually doing your part or are you just talking smack on the internet? Because, you know, Phil can attest, he's seen me at a bunch of meetings. I try and show up whenever I can. I think I've sat in on six or seven different states' hearings, and, you know, not even all of them. I've been a, a, a resident of that state. You know, it's still important that we show up and do our part. Uh, and, you know, a lot of these people, they just want to have something to talk about. And it's a lot easier for them to hate and just say, well, I don't, I don't see the evidence than to actually look for the evidence, which is kind of sad. Yeah, and, and I know not everybody can show up, and that makes sense. But I mean, everybody can send an email, everybody can mail a letter, everybody can make a phone call. So all all that stuff adds up. So to say that you know it's fine to say you can't show up, I understand, totally understand. Not everybody can can take off work or get to these things because usually they are during the day. And when you're in, like downtown Boston, it's a pain in the butt to get to those places. I think both <laughs> you guys were at that one though. Um, yeah. So to- totally understand. But you guys also saw that. That room was over capacity. We were out in the hallway and we even had a co-sponsor of that bill said, I'm pulling my co-sponsorship of this bill because you guys told me about what's going on. So she had been misled by the animal rights groups and she pulled her co-sponsorship right there at the hearing, which was, you know, it's incredible to see, but you got to put in the work. And like I said, US Arc does everything we can, but I mean, most years we're not even bringing in half a million dollars, which sounds like a whole lot of money. But you got to understand when you're playing with politicians and you're going up one group, HSUS brings in almost a quarter billion <laughs> and we're bringing in half a million. There's the difference between that M and that B in those words. I, I mean, it, it's tough. They're doing a lot more lobbying than USR could ever think about doing. Yeah. And when you're saying that half a million, you're saying half a million people are just thinking, oh, it's only half a million. <laughs> Uh, the legislation or the lawsuits that they just brought up in Florida, you said they were pushing 700,000. That's more than half a million dollars already just in Florida, just on their lawsuits. So when the people are like, oh, no, 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 no. It costs money. It takes time. It takes effort. People have to show up. We should donate as much as we can. There's great people. Nikki's out here, you know, raising money for USR. There's black box kids. You know, there's people out there who are trying to make sure that money gets raised. But we, if we can do more, we should try to do more. And it, it takes more than just the people who are listening to this podcast. You know, um, you know, I talk to lots of people just randomly, and they see a snake on my shirt, or you know, they see me on the side of the road flipping along or something. They ask me what I'm doing, and you know, that's all an opportunity to just say, hey, do you know anyone who's got a pet bearded dragon or a leopard gecko? Because those people probably are not listening to the Reptile Talk podcast, but they have a reptile and their life would be affected by some of this legislation that's going on right now. So it's so important that we're not just in our own echo chamber talking to just the people who are listening to my voice right now, but talk to your high school teacher or you know uh, you know somebody who bought their kid a leopard gecko it's important to get them involved and find a way to reach those people too because this takes way more than the people who are in this room right now or the people who are watching my live streams on tiktok or watching jeremy's live streams on instagram it takes more than just the people who are in our own little bubble Um, and that's one of the things that i encourage people to do on social media is 
I've got a lot of friends on my social media that are reptile people, and then I've got some people who I've met through other channels. And when I see those people get a bearded dragon, I'm like, post more your bearded dragon. Get people, people ask them questions all the time about what does it eat? How does it like? It's got a personality, blah, blah, blah. And just those little tiny things can lead to people exploring more and learning and getting involved in this community. I think that that's, you know, just little things like that build up over time. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to, it's so easy for us to talk to reptile people, but you, you, you got to get out of your comfort zone sometimes and realize that a whole lot of other people want to learn about this stuff too, because I mean, rep, I've been in this, in the reptile industry for 20 plus years now. And it's amazing to see how, how much it's growing and what a reptile show looks like now versus what it looked like 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, there's the, the audience is just totally different. And that's, I mean, reptiles are just popular as pets because I mean, let's face it, dogs and cats are a true pain in the butt. I mean, not everybody can take their dog out four or five times a day to go to the bathroom. You don't, you don't have to take your leopard gecko or corn snake out and walk it four or five times a day. Um, I mean, and, and especially with snakes, I mean, I'm not going to say you don't have to take care of them properly, but I mean, let's, let's be real. Taking care of a corn snake or ball python is far less hours per week than taking care of a dog or a cat. So, and people living in apartments and the urbanization of America, cause people don't have yards anymore. I mean, reptiles have just taken off. I mean, in the last 20 and then even more in the last 10 years. So they're popular and there's a reason for it. And it's great to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, that's, that's the, that's the key. We just, we have to talk. We have to talk. We have to have those conversations. And I, I was uh, just talking about that with, with uh, Mr. Bacek the other day, you know, when, uh, you know, we're talking about, <clears throat> you know, if, if you are on social media and the, the vast majority of the people on your social media are just reptile people. So all you see is reptile content all the time. You have a very skewed understanding, uh, unless you know. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. <laughs> uh, unless you know what's actually happening, uh, you know you have a very skewed understanding of how the world views what we do. Because exactly as Phil is just saying, that how the industry has changed and grown over the last twenty years is amazing. But if you see one, you know, local news story about, you know, a snake, you know, somewhere, you look at the comments, you know, there might be one person who's like, oh, that's a blah, 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 and can tell you about that snake to the 10 other people who are like, blah, snake, you know, and like losing their mind. And it's like, that's more of the reality of how we're, we're viewed. So being able to take advantage of those situations you know, somebody sees a snake on your shirt or, you know, why are you walking around with a superhero T-shirt on? That's really just Justin trying to be cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like having those conversations, that's that opens up the door for everything, because, you know, I see it popping up in the, in the chat right now. Education is key. Education really is key. Um, OK, so here's here's another myth to throw at you, Phil. Yep. Uh, all, all you do, Phil, all you do is sit there and write posts on facebook and do rattlesnake fridays but what else do you do i like rattlesnake fridays i'm just gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah rattlesnake fridays are awesome and to get on rattlesnake fridays for a second us arc did not coin that i believe it was the snake preservation center 
Jeez, I should check that out first before I even say it. But we we were not the originators of that, but I believe we've been doing it the longest. And we, I mean, every Friday for nine years now, we've had a Rattlesnake Friday post. So you love those, yeah. Um, Center for Snake Conservation. I think that's what it is. Cool. Um, someone check that out for me. But again, kudos to whoever came up with Rattlesnake Friday, and we we've tried to keep it going. Um, but yeah, as far as what I do, social media is at the bottom of the list of the things that I do. So any of the alerts that anybody sees from us arc those all come from me so every morning and throughout the day we get alerts through our lexus nexus uh, legislative system and also uh even google um, because a lot of the local and county ordinances they don't show up through our lexus nexus system that's for state and federal um so even google we get um alerts on that's how we saw this royal oak michigan uh, situation uh so yeah it's constantly all day just monitoring stuff and then so on a typical day, especially January through May, uh, I may pour through almost 200 emails and I have to scan the alert systems from LexisNexis and see if it actually affects us. And then if it does, then I've got to produce the alert and all that. So all that is coming directly from me. So uh, all the website updates, all the stuff that gets posted, to the websites coming from me. So yeah, it's, it's more than a little bit more than social media posts. Um, <laughs> Any of the lobbying efforts, me flying down to Florida, I was just down there last week. I'm going this week for a big uh, National Animal Interest Alliance conference, which is another important group to know. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of travel involved. Pre-COVID, I was on the road over 100 nights a year. Um, so, I mean, there's a whole lot of travel involved with this job. And, and, and yeah, I could, I could probably keep going. But, yeah, it's more than social media posts. And actually, nowadays, the social media posts aren't even mostly coming from me. We do have one part-time person who is awesome, uh, who does a lot of the social media posts. So yeah, I'm not I'm not even going to take credit for all of those. Yeah. And Phil is also riding coach on Spirit Airlines with his, his knees to his chest. He's just like, first right up in there, like cannonball style for however long it takes him to fly to get to where he's going. So. No, just saying. I gotta tell you, it it stinks sometimes because I had a sales job uh, before, and I always price lined everything to get good prices. And it honestly, I'm I'm a I'm a glutton for finding deals. And this post COVID, the cost of flights and the cost of rental cars, especially, no, um, yeah. it, it's just crazy, and I hate it that I I gotta spend yeah. US, US arc money on that. But it's essential. Like this last time, I flew down to Florida last week for that tag that I mentioned I had to fly into Tampa and drive to Ocala which is almost two hours north so it didn't I couldn't Uber you know it didn't make sense to pay an Uber to drive me two hours and then two hours back to Tampa so I had to get a rental car but man prices on some of this stuff are just are unfortunately a little way higher than they were pre-COVID ridiculous it's ridiculous is what it is it's absolutely like off the charts it's scary Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's a, a solid point as well. You know, going back to where, where's the money go? It's, you know, I mean, we're all dealing with the rising costs of everything, from gas to raw building materials, rental cars, you know, airfare, just travel in general. It's, it's not that it was ever incredibly cheap, you know, but comparatively to pre COVID, you know, it's, it's obnoxious where, where prices are at right now for for even the most simple thing even a little compact smart car that we all know that phil loves to drive you know (laughs) (laughs) i I fit right into those just like those seats on spirit airlines 
<laughs> if there, listen, all I'm saying is if there is a picture of Phil in a smart car blowing up for October Tinley, <laughs> would be really sad. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Let's do one, one more myth. Uh, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll be good. Cause we're, we're definitely rounding our, out our time, getting towards our hour mark. Um, <clears throat> so this last myth, this last myth is, this might be the new one. Uh, us arc only cares about the attention and they're not actually doing anything outside of social media and posts on the website that i got got that recently and i was like huh so i'm I'm just gonna i'm just gonna speak as us arc i honestly i i hate attention i hate all this stuff and (laughs) honestly i said it earlier if someone steps up who can do this job better with me then show up (laughs) i'll be more than happy to take another role with us arc but I'm comfortable with public speaking, but it's just, it's part of it. I mean, I have to do it. I gotta, I gotta pony up and and do it. Just like when I got this job, I sent a one line email that said, who's stepping up. And, and that led to this job. So I saw that the industry needed it. And I was the guy who stepped up then. I may not be the guy for the next 10 years, but until someone else comes along and, and convinces the board that he or she can do it better than, than, than I'm here. And I'll, I'll try and keep doing a good job, but yeah, attention is not my thing. I mean, we just launched a YouTube video three weeks ago. If I was an attention guy, we would have had a YouTube video nine plus years ago when I started because I would have wanted my face all over everything. But that that's just not me. I post on my personal Facebook page once every two or three years. I mean, it's I'm, I'm certainly not out here for the attention. I don't think I'm some kind of reptile rock star. I'm just a guy trying to do the job and do what's right by the community. So I mean, it, it's fine if people want to think that. I, I know that it's a public position and they can criticize all they want, but personally, that that's not me and that's not what I'm about. So uh, I am going to take that one a little bit personally because that's just, that's that's not who I am. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I I think I had 17 different faces when I saw that comment come in in a chat. Now it's like, <laughs> is that real? Is that... <laughs> um oh man okay as we're as we're rounding out what's going on i definitely want to give another plug for the us arc youtube channel um shout out to garrett hartle and and his team who have helped uh to spearhead that um and uh and it's it's absolutely great i think those videos are are awesome uh getting that information out exactly where it needs to go and uh you know i i think everybody enjoys staring at, at garrett's face uh, especially when there isn't a tiny, you know, worm of a retic, you know, crawling around him. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Kudos to Garrett and Thomas. That was one of those things. I pushed it off as long as I could, and finally, the U.S. Arc Board said, "Hey, hey you got to get this YouTube channel going." And and Garrett, it, it took some convincing from some other other people, I think, but he stepped up and he's doing a great job. He's got a really cool video coming out tomorrow, so they're going to post new videos every Friday. So uh, yeah, keep a watch out for that. And um, I do have one more myth before we before we head out. So let me know when you're ready. Let's go. You're ready let's now. Let's go. Let's so, let me just uh, let me just uh, give this shout out to Natalie real awesome. quick. Thanks, Natalie. Natalie's awesome. She'll be the PR person. Let's go. Okay. All right. Hit us with this myth. <laughs> and so again, most of this because I'm I'm rarely on social media, but someone sent me this that someone else posted on social media about the control I have over US Arc. So just so everyone knows out there. 
I do not run the bank account. I have no access to US Arc's bank account. I cannot write checks for US Arc. So all that has to go through an accountant and the board and any major expenditures all have to be approved by the board. So I'm not some guy out here profiting off of US Arc and not claiming a bunch of this stuff. And I don't set my own salary either. So if US Arc was violating IRS law, we would not have been able to bend a 501c6 nonprofit this long. So all that stuff has to go through a board. So I do not dictate what I make, what my salary is. Again, that all goes to the US Arc board and it's done by the book, uh, by US Arc law. So anyone that thinks I have total control of all this stuff or is talking about that on, on social media, that's, that's not how we work. Again, our board of directors is public. It's on the website. Those guys are calling the shots. It's not me. Bam. I appreciate you laying down the line and really just talking, you know, putting this stuff out there because, you know, too many people uh, have have got their blinders on. They're not paying attention. It's important. This information is already accessible, but when you can hear it directly from the guy, hey, you know, it's, it's much harder for them to repeat. All right, wait, Jeremy, I got another one. Oh, oh, come on, let's <laughs> also, go. Always remember, just because you read something on the internet does not mean that it's true. So I know there's been a lot of, well, I won't say a lot, but there's been some people criticizing U.S. ARC's release of information about this Lacey Act stuff. And mm-hmm. I have literally seen people saying things a month after U.S. ARC has and saying U.S. ARC hasn't talked about it yet when we were talking about it a month earlier. So please at least check. Oh. So if you see something posted uh, online that says U.S. Arc isn't saying this or U.S. Arc isn't telling you that, at least maybe go, go check look. out the U.S. Arc site to see if we actually have it posted there before, especially before you start posting on our Facebook page and calling us out. And then we have to point out to you and have you apologize that you were wrong, which we're not right 100 percent of the time. I'm not, I'm not going to perfectly definitely not going to say that. But again, maybe just 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 cross check your and reference what's being said to make sure that it's true before you go making yourself look uh, like a fool. Oh man. That's all. Last last little mini rant. You got me wound up, man. Uh, hey, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad we could make it make it happen. Better. Maybe it's the it's the water in this flask. <laughs> oh my gosh. <clears throat> oh, all right, Jen. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to get wound up more and get some uh, Hennessy or or Jameson. That's what it is. I'll have to get some Jameson. There you go. Jen, Jen you donates go. more. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> too too wonderful. Um, I I, I want to stress just everybody that's that's listening uh, and and uh, here in the chat, like you know the the importance of of US Arc and seriously what they're doing for us i mean i i don't know if anybody pays attention to uh reptile keepers and stuff in other countries but uh you know i mean we're not the only country that has to deal with you know animal rights insanity um <clears throat> the IHF was, was just uh banned after an upcoming show in this june uh from doing reptile show a certain region i'm forgetting which it is off the top of my head but uh, this came after so much pushback from animal rights organizations. And uh, now the, the IHS, which has been around for decades, uh, has, has lost a bit of their territory to do what they've been doing for decades. Um, you know, so the importance of, of USARC uh, is, is astronomical, you know, and we 
just with a simple glimpse of what's going on in other countries, we can quickly find out, you know, where we could be headed uh, without having a, a substantial organized voice. Um, and somebody like Phil that that's able to be in the room, make the phone calls, get the information out. Um, you know, you start to see the uproar from from people in other countries. And we we had no idea. We didn't know. What what do you mean? What's going on? And uh, <clears throat> and that it's it sucks to see. You know, um, so I would encourage everybody to uh, if you're not following other reptile keepers in other countries, uh, you know, take take a look at what some of those other people are doing and, you know, and reach out and see if there's a way that you can help spread the word for for them. Uh, you know, I think uh, probably in the coming weeks, we'll probably be talking with Gavin from uh, Balls to You out in the UK, um, you know, to talk a little bit about the IHS uh, issue and, and what's going on in the UK with some of their uh, legislative stuff, because um, it's happening everywhere. So please, guys, just really understand that the value that USARC has for us, you know, we, we would not be where we are now if it wasn't for, for what this organization has done. Uh, since the very beginning, really. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that, and that stinks. So any Chris Newman has a great post, which Chris Newman is an awesome guy over in in the UK, and he's got a great post about what happened to the reptile show over there to IHS, and it's unfortunate. And one of those groups, World Animal Protection, has been trying to do the same thing over here in the US for years. So and, and anybody who talks about you know, reptile people in the reptile community being targeted by these animal rights groups, you're, you're wrong. It is every animal. It is dogs, cats, reptiles, birds. It's farm animals. They're, they're trying to end it all for us. And, and really what people need to do even more than talk about U.S. ARC is talk about animal rights and HSUS and ASPCA and PETA. They're all the same groups. They all have the same agenda, unfortunately. And and people need to realize, I mean, Humane Society of the United States hired someone who used to work for PETA, um, Ingrid Newkirk. And I mean, uh, again, the writing is on the wall on, on where they're going and they're attacking us all. So you need to support whether it's a, a breed ban on dogs in your city or, or whatever it is. Um, again, it just they're just taking rungs off the ladder until they get to the top and they're knocking us all off. So everybody's a target. So please, please, please realize what the animal rights groups are doing and, and who they actually are, because all of them aren't transparent as us arc is with, with what we're doing. <laughs> so true. And uh, I got to highlight this from Benny. <laughs> Phil's JMO. <laughs> That's awesome. That I'll is- make sure the board of directors sees that so that I can take that nine ninety nine yeah. and apply it to my <laughs> Exactly. I'll throw in the extra money to make it for you. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, Phil. So you you know the deal. We got to ask you the final wrap up question here. Uh, So with everything going on and all of your wonderful travels protecting our asses, what uh what in the realm of reptiles sir has you actually excited and not morbidly depressed <laughs> about reptiles i should have thought about this well the the biggest reptile show that i was recently at was tinley and it, it was just it was crazy so that's their march show which they usually call their small show so this is narbc tinley park brian and bob's show and that sunday at that show which most people know two-day shows and sundays usually almost dead you couldn't even walk around that show on a Sunday. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. I mean, that show has gotten so busy that 
they're selling tons of VIP tickets. Just people know how crazy it gets. So they're selling mm-hmm. access on Friday and early on Saturday and Sunday. And to see a show that busy on Sunday was just, I mean, again, anybody who doesn't realize or doesn't accept that the reptile community is just growing, which there are a whole lot of reasons for it that we went into earlier, but that was just so cool to see a Sunday of a two day show being that busy. Cause that means that many yeah. people are jazzed about reptiles and plus it means that people were there on saturday and sunday which is i mean (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i'm a total reptile geek i mean when i started i've been to every narbc since 2001 i missed one show um since 2001 and the first time i went to that show i got a regular ticket i was there first thing in the morning on saturday i was there first thing in the morning on sunday and i was there all the time both days um i mean it's it's cool to see people that are that jazzed about reptiles and, and to see more people getting into it. It's, it's cool. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. That is where it's at. There for it. All right, fellas. So if people want to find out more about USARC, where do they go? USARC.org, USARK.org. Super easy. And make sure to check us out. We got social media all over. Uh, It's not super active all over, but now we got a YouTube channel. We got Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, so any social media platform you're on, we should be there. Uh, I don't know about this crazy TikTok stuff. Um, I know I said <laughs> I've been around for a while, but I'm still an old man. I had to, nope. shave, off my, I had to shave off my week old scruff for this podcast because it's all gray now. Um, <laughs> Is that why you were late? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, had, I don't even have a MacBook. I was making all that up. It was because I had to charge my eraser up to shave. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on here. I know that the people who are watching and listening appreciate you coming on here and spreading some of this information. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Very very much valued because I know that you're a very busy guy. Uh, Thank you, as always, for coming on here. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah, awesome. And thank you to you, too. I know how much you guys talk about US ARC and try and get awareness out there. So thank you. Thank you to you, too, guys. We're trying, man. We're trying. Bang on. All right, guys. We next week i forgot who we're talking to but (laughs) stay tuned for the post see you guys later thanks everybody see you later